Joining us today to talk about how to start the conversation is M. Jane Markley. Jane, president of M. Jane Markley Consulting, is a consultant and healthcare ethics advisor with 35 plus years experience in healthcare. She works with individuals, families, organizations, ethics committees, and healthcare systems to help them understand the importance of advanced care planning for themselves, their loved ones, and their members. A retired Navy nurse, she is board certified in healthcare management, a patient advocate, and a former hospital ethics chip committee chair. She trains healthcare advocates, speaks nationally, internationally, and works one-on-one -on -one with individuals and their families to complete their advanced directives. How are you doing today, Jane? I'm doing fine, thanks, Jason. Well, thank you for, I'm looking forward to, this is our third uh, third time together. So uh, we've got a couple more, but let's focus on this one today. Uh, for those joining us for the live webinar, type your questions in, time permitting, we will do everything in our power to get your questions answered. So Jane, let's get started on starting the conversation. Thank you, Jason. Uh, I look forward, always look forward to these knowledgeable aging webinars because they can be so interesting um, to, uh, to present and people ask such wonderful questions. So I'm gonna reinforce what uh, Jason just said. Please jot down your questions as you go, as we go along. I'm sure that this will precipitate many questions and uh, I've left time at the end so that we can go ahead and do that. So, and again, the subject today is starting the conversation. For those of you who've been with me before, you know that that I'm forever saying starting you need to start the conversation, have the conversation, and give the gift. That conversation and making certain that key people in your life understand who you are and what you would want is critical to your moving forward in life. People tell me that they they can have the conversation with themselves and figure out what it is they want. Then they get ready to talk to their family and they get this, no, don't, can't talk about that. It's not, not, don't want to talk about it. Mm -mm -mm. No, no, no. I don't care how much you thought about it. I don't want to talk about it. Well, that's what we're going to try to work on today to see what we can do. But first, it's important to understand why having the conversation is so important. Uh, if you understand why you're, you're being asked to do something, it always makes it a little easier to do it. First, you, as I said earlier, you have to understand what it is that you want. I mean, how many times do you sit down with yourself and have a long talk with yourself about what it is you might want? Um, and that, But that process is important because you need to have that conversation with yourself so that you can outline for yourself what it is that you would want and what kind of basic beliefs, values, and preferences you have in life. Uh, because we can't figure out what specifically you're going to have be a problem for you and have a crisis on through your life. Uh, you never, we never know. Um, so you can't say, well, if this happens, I'll do this, and if this happens, I'll do that. So what we need to do is understand who you are, what your basic life preferences are, what your beliefs are, and what your values are. What's important to you, and we'll work through that. So once you figure that out, it's important to engage others and get started talking with others about what it is that um, that you do want and get their input. People who have heard that um, and understand what is important to you, they will give them an inch, a chance to ask questions. Now, I'm not asking you to talk to your family and have them change your mind about what you want. Uh, everyone has their own way of thinking about this and everybody has their own way of doing it. Uh, and everybody's preferences may be different, 
but it's good to hear from your loved ones. It's good to answer their questions. It helps solidify your preferences by listening to other people's thoughts. And truly, it is a gift that you're giving to your loved ones. Now, why do I say that? Why could possibly talking about all this stuff be a gift to anybody? Well, it's a gift because when the crisis occurs, when the fan gets hit and things are not going so well, and you can't speak for yourself, it will be important for your loved ones to be able to identify who you are, what you wanted, what your basic beliefs and values are, and it will help everyone to make good decisions about the care that you would have wanted were you able to speak for yourself. Um, so research shows that people 5, 10, 15, 20 years later, um, after someone has died, for whom they did not have an advanced directive, even 20 years out, people are still wondering, did I do the right thing? Did I make the right decision for my mom? And the sad part is they will never know if they did the right thing. So it pays to talk about it ahead of time. Now, I know the next bullet is a little controversial um, because we don't go into doing advanced directives to save money. That is not the bottom line. The bottom line is to do an advanced directive so that people know what kind of care you want and are able to treat you in the style to which you like to become accustomed. They, they want to help you. The fact is that large communities where advanced directives are common, when they've done the research, the cost of healthcare has gone down in those communities because people knew what they wanted and they didn't get unnecessary care or care that was futile. So that has saved money, particularly in the last six months of life and uh, towards the end of life. So it, it's, a, it's kind of a, an activity that comes as a result of doing the right thing and having your advanced directive. And it does bring families closer together. You get to talk about things that you might not have talked about before. Uh, I know we talked about this type of thing over the dinner table, but how many people have that opportunity to sit over the dinner table these days and chat with their family as a whole? Now that you've heard about why you should do it, let's talk about starting the discussions itself. There's many different ways you can start, and you need to think about who the personalities are that are sitting around the table. In other words, you know your family, you know your loved ones, and you, you'll have a pretty good idea of what they'll tolerate and what kind of conversations they would be willing to have. It, it's great to start without talking about yourself or even talking about them, but talk about a friend, a loved one, a, even a celebrity that's had this happen to them. And this, this is a good way to begin the conversation. And also, talk about yourself. Don't put it on them. Don't ask them what they want. Tell them that you need their help in working through the development of your advanced directive. Ask them for their assistance first. And that goes on to, to identify why it's so important that you do your own advanced directive first. It gives them a role model. It puts you in the leadership role. It helps you to complete your own. And asking them their preferences so that that can help you will begin to put the seed and plant that seed, I'm gonna talk about again later, of why it's so important. And 
get their preferences so you begin to hear what they would want and you better understand them. The reference of a television show is something that I, I sometimes wonder why I put it in there, but it's because most people do watch television. It may be streaming or maybe a variety of different ways these days, but they do watch television. And you need to, you can use that as a reference point if something's happened in a show and it, it belies into this subject. It's great. You just have to remember that television does not show the reality. Um, for example, cardiopulmonary resuscitation, CPR, when done on a television show, is successful about 20 about 84 percent of the time i mean these people come in they, they you know they're beating on their chest they're doing everything that they're supposed to be doing for cpr and then by the end of the show they're walking out the front door of the hospital looking just fine doesn't work like that folks only about seven percent of people who receive cpr within a hospital will return to their normal what was previously their normal lives. They will have a new lifestyle after having CPR. It is not benign treatment. It is very important that you understand that. You may have to accept at some point that they really don't wanna talk about it. I mean, they need to, but it takes a while for some people just to get on board and really do the talking. Um, so you can leave them with tools, leave them with something to read when nobody's watching and they, oh gee, you know, she asked me about this. She's got these papers here. Well, maybe I can read a little bit about it. Those are the planting of the seeds that I'm talking about. And uh, when you accept the fact that they don't wanna talk about it now, you need to tell them that's fine, we can hold off. Here's some things to read. I'd appreciate it if you read it. It's really important to me We'll, can we get back to it? Let's set a date and time to get back to talking about that. The tools, the conversation starter kit, five wishes, um, the American Bar Association has a great conversation scripts out there, as well as engage with grace and prepare. There's lots of tools out there. Use whatever works for you. Uh, there's a reference page on the very end of this presentation where you'll have the ability to um, look up uh, the websites that you would need. So let me go through some of the resistance factors with you. And there, these are the resistance factors that you're gonna hear people say. And then the next page, I'm gonna talk about deflecting that resistance so that we can see how, that, how, how you can marry the two up. I had a client, she came to me, the daughter came to me and said, I can't talk to my mom, she won't talk to me, I don't know what, and, I talked to the mother and she says, oh, my daughter knows me. She's been living with me for a long time. She'll know the right thing to do when the time comes. Well, the daughter didn't have a clue and that was why she came to talk to me. And so we allow mom to understand and talk to mom about the fact that, yeah, she's been living with you, but does she really know what it is you want? Have you talked about your preferences? And I facilitated the two of them talking to the point where mom went, oh, I'm glad we talked about this because you weren't gonna do what I, you weren't gonna do what I wanted you to do. And so we found out that this person really did have preferences and she didn't really wanna leave it in her daughter's hands, but she did not wanna talk about it. So this precipitated that conversation. Um, a lot of people talk about putting it in God's hands. We don't need to talk about it or I don't really care 
what happens to me in the end. So don't bother me. Well, that's a perfect segue into the, it isn't just about you, it's about everybody around you. It's kind of like wearing a mask. It's not just about you, it's about everybody around you. It's not only your family who's gonna be left holding the bag and not knowing what to do for you, uh, but it's also about the healthcare people, people like me who would like to know a little bit about you so I can give you the kind of care you would want, not just the care that I could give you if I wanted to. And I didn't know. Um, now the old wives tales live on. Uh, it's just too hard to think about it. And if we do, it will happen sooner. Oh no, it doesn't happen sooner, folks. <laughs> it's an old wife tale and it's important that you dispel that myth that just because you do an advanced directive that you're gonna go ahead and, and have a problem. Here are the ones that, here are the comments and the deflecting comments for the ones that we've just talked about. The mother and daughter. You know, I know this makes you feel uncomfortable, but I need you to listen to me, to hear what I have to say. It's very important to me. Put the onus on yourself. You can blame your lawyer, you can blame your doctor, you can blame whomever that, it. you know, you really need to do this and I need to talk to you about it in order to complete this requirement that I have for me. And yes, it could be in God's hands, but how we live in the moment is in our hands. And those are the things we need to be thinking about now. And we need to talk about this. Um, people want to know that they're doing the right thing. So the discussion is important, particularly for those people who really don't say they don't care. Uh, underlying it, they really do care. Um, they care that they're not in pain at the end of life. They care that someone is taking care of them. So to know what the right thing is for them is critical. I love the last one. It's one of my favorite. If we don't talk about this now, we could both end up in a situation that is even more uncomfortable. And it would be more uncomfortable for the person left behind who has to make the decisions. So we'd really like to avoid that. So there's several different ways of deflecting the resistance that comes from these people. And um, that, um, those are just a couple of them. A good friend of mine, colleague, uh, Anne Elizabeth Denny, put together these conversation strategies. Uh, and I find them very useful. Uh, being proactive is important. Don't surprise people. Don't, don't go from behind a rock and jump out at them with your advanced directive and say, I want to talk about this now. You know, let them know ahead of time. Give them a couple of the forms and the documents and say, you know, I'd really like to talk about this. I've got to do mine and I need your help in doing that. So can we talk about this sometime, maybe Saturday afternoon and get them started so they know what to expect and ask everybody to participate. Don't make it a little secret meeting for just you and one other person in your family. This is a family discussion. This is an opportunity for everybody to share and everyone to honor each other's preferences. Not all of us think the same way. Not all of us want the same things. So it's important that we understand what each and every one of our loved ones wants and needs. Be clear and explain the goal. The reason we're here today is because I've been told by my doctor I need an advanced directive. This is how I've been told it's supposed to be done. I've given you all some forms. Let's talk about it. Um, and if you've got some folks who just don't want to talk about it, try to enlist a couple of your other family members or friends who are willing to talk about it and who have ideas and want to participate and use them as a catalyst to get things moving. 
but always write your own first. Uh, being a good role model, you will find it is not as easy as you might think, um, even if you know what you want, just because other people have questions and you need to address those questions as you go along. The one thing you need to remember is the conversation is never over. Okay, the conversation goes on and on. Things in your life will change. Your diagnosis may change. Your health status may change. People may move in and out of your life. So it's important to um, realize that the conversation needs to be ongoing. But the most important thing is to get started today. Planning ahead of the crisis. We don't know when a crisis will occur, which is why it's as we work with people in, from age 18 to over 100 to help them work through or update their advanced directives because you just never know when that truck is going to hit you out on the beltway. You never know when some unknown disease that you've never heard of or never even considered might attack your body and you've got to deal with it. So be sure to complete that advanced directive as soon as you can and be a good example to others. Get them ingrained in thinking about the issues. Please don't wait for the crisis to occur. By then it probably will be too late. And as the National Health Care Decisions Day team says, remember, it's not, it's never too late until it is. And then it truly will be too late. This is the page here that identifies the references. If I can get it up there, there they are. Um, and um, they can help you to move forward to develop your advanced directive. We, we talked about in the previous webinar, have the conversation. So mm -hmm. from starting to having, is there a, a time when this needs to happen? Well, certainly um, I'm a firm believer that families ought to talk about this just as part of their general makeup as a family. I mean, that's how I started with it. My parents discussed this stuff you know, when I was a youngster. So it was part of the culture in that, and that's, that's hard to do if it's not your culture and you've never done it before. But I encourage people to start talking about this as soon as possible. I mean, uh, I, I think my, I've mentioned this before. I have a friend, a colleague who is two sons, twins, you know, got their driver's licenses and at 16, well, you can't do an advanced directive at 16, but you sure can at 18. And mom took away the keys at age 18 and said, until you have an advanced directive, we're not going to um, allow you to drive the car because it's that important that you do an advanced directive. So it depend, It needs to be built into the family culture of discussions. Obviously, family, there are some topics that might be off limits. So are there any topics that you think, Jane, that should just be avoided at all cost? Oh my gosh, no. Um, I don't think there's anything that should be avoided at all costs. There are people who will who will avoid things at all costs, but I don't think that there's anything that should be off limits. I think it's really important for people to understand, particularly people who have medical issues, to understand some of the jargon in medicine and some of the terms CPR, DNR, AND. I mean, it's like a alphabet soup out there. So those things are important, I think, for people to understand as well as they begin to make their advanced directive. And why I tell people, talk to your healthcare provider. People look at me and say, but, but if it was that important, wouldn't my healthcare provider talk to me? And the answer to that is probably not. They're very busy. They have lots of things going on and they don't want to make you worried that something horrible might happen to you. 
They want to they want to be positive in all costs, and sometimes they don't bring it up. Coupled with the fact that sometimes they're not comfortable about the discussion either. So bring it up to your physician. Yeah, I was actually just going to ask you that question. Somebody chimed in about you know you said having a plan for your healthcare workers. How does that how does it do that? Well, it does that by giving us an insight into who you are. Okay. Uh, you know who you are. What makes you tick? What are your basic beliefs, values, preferences? Um, you know, if you if you can say, you know, you do want CPR, you don't want CPR. I mean, those are things that, or I want them under these conditions, or I want them for, I mean, I want to be on a ventilator if I need it, but I only do it for two weeks, and then we evaluate. I mean, whatever your preferences are, anything you can tell us about that will be helpful to the team. Even basic things, I think you've heard me say before about people in bed, you know, do you like your feet inside the covers or outside the covers? I mean, that sounds so silly and it isn't life threatening, but if you're lying there and you're still cognitive, but you can't speak and those feet of yours are ratcheted down by that good nurse who's tightened up your bed sheets, it could make life be really miserable for you. So knowing who you are and what's important to you is important to us as well. The conversation starts everything, but the end result is the advanced directive. Is that correct? In other words, you don't just correct. show up at the table and say, hey, I've got my advanced care directive. Let's have a conversation. You don't you don't you go could, in reverse. You, no, you could do that. Okay. You could you could come to the table and say, I've I've roughed out this as my advanced directive. Um, and I'd like you to read it and understand it and help me okay. make sense of it and make sure you we realize what I'm saying and and appreciate that and ask any questions that you have. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, sometimes you will get to the point where you need to complete your advanced directive and there are people there who will never talk to you about it. They will refuse to talk. They're not the person you should have as your healthcare agent, folks. <laughs> they are definitely not the person who can make decisions for you at the end of life because you ha they haven't been willing to engage with you. So it's important to include them, make sure they have a copy of the advanced directive, even though they didn't participate in the conversation, um, but that they know what it is that you want. So another question is kind of, it talks about the participation part. It says, my mom has been, been developing her plan, but my brother won't get involved. How do I prevent him from causing a problem when mom gets really sick? I'm afraid that he will want things to be happening for mom that she doesn't want. How can I prevent that? Okay. That's something that happens across America, people who just can't deal. It's usually a child who is either estranged or if not estranged, living a long distance away. They aren't dealing okay. in the day-to-day -day activities with mom. And the the sibling who is um, certainly is probably better prepared to make decisions for mom. But when that happens, I always encourage people to, again, try to get the person engaged while mom's still around. However, if they can't, I encourage mom to do a video about what's important to her, who's in charge to make decisions for her, and and say anything she wants to the estranged soul who's unwilling to participate. And as I said earlier, make sure they get a copy of the plan as soon as it's completed. You know, mom can say, you know, I've done this video, I've done this, here they are. I know you don't wanna talk about it, 
but here it is for your reference point. And that cuts down on the swooping in child who comes rolling in at the last minute, um, wanting everything done for mom when mom's made the decision that that's not what she wants. So question has come in. <laughs> I'm sure you hear this all the time. It says, what happens if even with these tips, I can't get my family to talk about it? Well, you are gonna need to find somebody in, in your scope of personalities to become your healthcare ad advisor or your healthcare agent. Okay. Um, that person is the person that you would be working with most closely. Um, as I say, there are people who won't participate um, and that's, you know, you still, you don't give up on them. You keep asking them for their help and support, but you need to find somebody to be your healthcare agent. And that person does not have to be a spouse, does not have to even be a family member. It needs to be somebody who knows you fairly well and who can um, work with you to get the best plan for you know for you and who understands what that plan is so they can help execute it if the needs, need arises. Um, and as I say, make sure you give the copy to your loved ones who don't wanna participate because they need to know what the plan is, whether they uh, participated or not. So Jane, you talked about the word ongoing. What does ongoing look like? Okay, we've talked about this before. There's a lot of other um, things that happen in your life that might cause you to change your preferences on your advanced directive. Mm -hmm. So it's important to keep the conversation going um, as things change or modify in your life, as you learn something new, maybe you learn something about a, a new treatment that you could have and that makes you decide that you want to do a full court press with everything medical has to provide, that's fine. You can change your documents at any time. You should relook at them um, yearly. And so that's why I say ongoing conversation. If nothing's happening and nothing's changing in your life, you don't need to do anything in terms of documentation but the conversation can continue and getting people to know when to relook and when to make changes is important yeah i don't mean to put you on the spot here but it, I, i've learned from you when we talk about ongoing jane at some point we're going to get into the five d's right because yes. it's a life privileged. event is going to come across where you're almost going to be forced to have that conversation Mm -hmm. Yes, the five D's are, are are the things that cause you to relook at them, even if it hasn't been the year that I just talked about. Um, a diagnosis change um, is one of the D's. Uh, decline in your condition is another. In other words, something you you get worse. Um, your your treatments aren't working. Um, Death, and by death, I don't necessarily mean your death, I mean the death of one of your healthcare agents. Um, if someone's gone from the scene, they can't do a very good job of helping you if you need help um, from a medical condition or an issue. Um, distance, if people are too far away or not able to get to a, a good communications tool, they're probably not the best people to have. Um, another one is divorce. I know a number of people whose ex-spouses are their healthcare agents because they know them the, the you the best and they are uh, they're still 
friendly enough that they'll do the right thing. But um, when that happens, it's important that you redo your advance directive after the divorce decree. So it's, it's apparent to the whole world that you intended to do this and it isn't just some, an oversight on your part that you didn't change your um, healthcare agent. So um, those are the five Ds. Last question, Jane. You, you talked about the healthcare agent. Can you kind of define what a healthcare agent is and maybe some of the responsibilities of the healthcare agent? Well, that's a whole hour presentation, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but on, in a nutshell, the healthcare agent is the person that you trust to speak for you when you can no longer speak for yourself. Um, it is one person. It is not a team effort. Uh, if you have three children, they can all be involved. You can have one, it's the first one, the second one, and the third one, or you can have one doing, uh, being your healthcare agent and another being your executor of your finances. You can, everybody can have a job. There's a lot to be done when some something happens like this. So, but you need to make sure that the person understands what you want. They need to be ready, willing, and able. Okay, those are the three criteria. They need to be ready to do it, in other words, um, know what you want. They need to be able to participate, i.e. able to get themselves. As I say to people, if the person you're making your healthcare agent is someone who's in the hospital more often than you are, wrong person. And willing, you know, don't just put somebody's name down there without, without talking to them and asking them if it's okay. This can be a big job if things go south. Um, so it's important that the person be willing to assume the responsibilities of being the healthcare agent. Very good. Well, Jane, excellent stuff. How can people find you? They can find me at jane at mjmarkley.com. Just send me an email. We can we can get together and chat for, for a half an hour and see if there's uh, anything I can help you with. Uh, or you can go to my website at www.mjmarkley.com. Very good. Well, um, all of our webinars are on our YouTube page. Uh, we use up to the YouTube page, you know, five, six times a week. Um, also, for those of you that are interested in our podcast, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Tunes. Um, and that is updated uh, frequently as well. So till next time, I'm your host, Jason Kotar, and this is Knowledgeable Aging. <laughs>